0: Good morning, how are you guys doing? yeah, well, there's like four of you who are doing good. Hopefully the rest will start doing better as we go um as Wes mentioned, we we're talking about hope. We have covered a few subjects for uh hope for the home for home for the kids uh home for finances today, I'm gonna talk about uh hope for men uh so um Today I'm going to be talking to the men in this room, to the men that are watching us online. Uh, if you're a woman, don't be desperate. Next week will be your turn, okay? So we will get to that. But today we're going to talk about uh, what is the role of men? What were we uh, called to do? Uh, because as you're going to see as we, as we move forward, um, if, if all men were to fulfill the role that we were called to do, this would be a much better world. You know, it's a complex situation, Um, and I know that the women in the room are thinking, no, he's not complex, you know, just feed him, hug him, he's fine, you know, but I'm talking about the the complexity of the role that we're supposed to play in society, okay? So let me pray for us, and and let's dive right in. Father, um, we just thank you so much uh, that we are here, that uh, you have allowed us to live another day that is good for getting to get closer to you, to know you better, to see you for who you really are. And and that's my prayer this morning, Father, that you will open our eyes and allow us to see you and allow us to see ourselves through you so that we can become what you made us to be. Uh, And it's uh, in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Very good. So first of all, the role of men. Um, if you read the first uh, chapters of the Bible, the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, you see how God created everything. He created the universe. He created the world. And when he created these things, he created them uh, perfect. That means they were in, in, in rhythm. You know, uh, there was a harmony between the creation and the creator, and also between the creation itself, Okay. And then he created uh, mankind, men and women. And we see this in Genesis 127, where it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you see, he created them equal to his eyes. Equality should have never been an issue, okay? That we are equal, but evidently we are very different, You know, that you don't need to be an expert to see how different men and women are. Now, I know that there are some people who would like to stereotype the differences between men and women. You know, they want to say, okay, men are are, are rough, are strong, like these things. Women are more docile, they're weaker. But that is really not true because if you look across the board, you'll see that that line crosses all over the place. But there are very, very incredible differences between men and women. And I think that one of the most important differences is that men, we were created by God to be goal-oriented, which is not to say that women cannot set goals for themselves and reach them. You know, we've seen that over and over, that we are equal in that regard. But the way that we face the world, it's goal-oriented. Women were created relationship-oriented. So they see the world through relationships so when, when, for example, a couple enters a party, the woman sees relationships. So it's like, oh, there's Jenny I have to go talk to her dog. Oh, I told this woman I was going to call her, and I haven't called her. And like, oh, I don't want to talk to that woman. You know, like they, they see relationships. When men enter the same party, they, they see goals. Where's the food? Where's the bar? Where's the bathroom? All right, I'm set. You know, I can fulfill my duties here, right? So we, we go through life looking at things in a very different way. Now, why are those differences Uh, like there in in each one of us well let's look in see god creates the planet and what he does is he creates this world a rustic place you know kind of like a savage place except for one place the the garden of eden it's a place of order a place of beauty you know a place that it's perfectly uh, uh, made for them to be able to live perfectly fine there okay but this is what he says to them uh, Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and in increasing number. Fill the earth and subdue it. See, this is what uh, Bible scholars call the cultural mandate. What he's saying is, see this place that it's full of order and beauty and the rest of it is all rustic. I want you to make the rest of the planet look like this. I want you to... Put order into the chaos that it's out there. I want you to build it up. I want you to build cities and build businesses and build schools and, you know, bring order to this chaos. That, that is the cultural mandate. But then if you look in Genesis 2, you know, they give us there a more like a detailed account of the creation. And there we see that God made the man first. And he gave him specific duty. See, in Genesis 2, uh, verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So out of these two verses, we understand what is our role. See, it says, men were created to cultivate and build things up. All of us men were called... From God, you know, we we received a call from God to cultivate things, to build things up, to make them grow big. See, that, that feeling that you have in your heart that you want to create certain things and you have this sense of adventure all the time, you know, we thrive when we're doing these things, okay? We want them bigger and better. But the thing is, this includes the people around you. We were supposed to cultivate our wives, nurture, love them take care of them, encourage them, so they will do what the Bible calls, they will give a, they become a fruitful vine. You know, they will become the best thing that they can become, and they have duties towards us so that we can fulfill our role too, but today I'm talking to men. We're supposed to also do that for our kids. We're supposed to cultivate them. We're supposed to discipline them and direct them and help them grow and, and sometimes rebuke them you know, so that they will go in the right direction, okay? So we need to do things. Men need to be working, doing things. See, a bored man usually gets in trouble. You you need to be doing certain things. And I have never found in my life, you know, a man that is lazy, that when you start digging in, you don't find a, a very troubled heart. Because you have that call in you. you. You want to do these things. And this is why we have this, like, this huge fantasies. This is why, why we love the epic movies where we see these, these guys, you know, fighting against the empire and, and, and fighting for good. And you see yourself right next with a sword fighting with them and stuff. That's why. Because we were called to do these things. We have this call to do greater things than ourselves. See, have, have you ever seen, uh, for example, a businessman... Uh, whose business is not growing it starts declining, how he gets in distress. It's because of that, because we have it in ourselves. You know, and and there are things that I don't understand of this generation. Like, I don't know how how it goes here in Texas, but in Cancun, for example, we have a generation of of, of young guys between 20 and 30 years of age that they want to spend their life playing video games. You know, they want to build these great things, but on a video you know, they're sitting on their couch when they could be out there doing what they were called to do. See, we were called to this great thing of building up, of bringing order into chaos. Okay? Now, there's a challenge to that. See, what is our challenge? First of all, see, if a man is not submitted to Christ, he will cultivate but the wrong things. And this is why we have so much trouble in the world right now that is such a godless world because they are cultivating things, but not the right things. But the truth is that even when we're trying to cultivate the right things, it is incredibly difficult for us. Why is it so difficult? Uh, In Genesis 3, the fall of men happens. You know the story. You know, uh, God puts them in the garden. He tells Adam, you know, not to eat from a certain tree. Eve goes to the tree Adam is standing right next to her. You know, she is deceived by the serpent. She eats of the fruit, gives him the fruit, but he's standing right next. You know, this is important because some people say like, yeah, the woman was deceived. You were standing right next, you know, and, and he eats from the fruit. And then God comes and confronts him first. you remember that? He doesn't go to eat first. He goes to him first. Is what happened. And Adam, the man, throws the wife under the bus and says, it was Eve's fault. You know, Ibs points at the serpent, and God curses the three of them. He curses the woman, he curses the men. he curses the serpent. But the curse to the men is very interesting. Listen to the words that God used. It's Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 20. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Did you notice what just happened there? God didn't only curse the men. He also cursed that what he's supposed to cultivate. So God is calling us to cultivate, to build things up. But what's the challenge? What we try to cultivate, wars against us. Everything we try to do according to God's calling is going to fight against us. Thorns and thistles. And this is something that I'm sure you have experienced you know, think about what happens. Like a man thinks of uh, opening a new business and he sees just the perfection of the business and how I'm going to do everything so my employees are motivated and doing the right thing and they're going to provide this excellent service. The customers are going to be very excited to do business with us and they open the business and everything wars against you. Doesn't matter how well you try to do it, somebody is going to war against you. Or, or, or think of when, when we try to cultivate our kids. You know, if you have kids and they have spent enough time with you, you know, if they're old enough, you will notice like you will try to speak life into them, t- teach them about the Bible, teach them the ways of God, what the Bible says. And for a while they listen, but when they start getting old enough, they start like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't really need that, you know. And, and all you're trying to do is show them good stuff. Teach them the truth of the Bible and they start worrying against you. Or, or remember before you got married? You know, you fall in love with the girl and you're so in love with her that you think we're going to get married and we're going to be so happy because we love each other so much. I don't understand why all these old fools cannot have a good marriage. And maybe they don't have enough love because I love this woman so much. It's going to be perfect, right? And then you get married. And then you're trying to love your wife according to you the right way, but she doesn't respond to what you're trying to do. And instead of giving you the fruit that you're expecting, the love that you're expecting back, thorns and thistles, right? I mean, this is, this is what happens. You know, that, and I'm not saying here that problems emerge is because of the woman, because we're just trying to love them like God commanded us to do, and they are giving us thorns and thistles. The woman has her own curse. You know, to the woman, God said, you're going to try to love your men, and he's going to try to control you, to dominate you. You know, but we are trying to love on them, and we think we're doing the right thing, loving them the right way, according to what we think is correct. And what we get is thorns and thistles. We get war. So why is it so hard? You know, I, I always wonder, why, like, why didn't he say, okay, now you're a curse, so if you come and love me correctly, I'll make everything easy for you. You just come and follow me, and your life is going to be very easy, piece of cake. Your wife is going to love you how you want. Your kids are going to say, yes, father, whatever you say, you know. But that's not the way he did it. Why? Well, there's a reason behind his plan. There's a reason why everything is so hard. See, what, what concerns God the most, uh, it, it's not your comfort. It's your character. And, and I have realized in my own life that nothing that I have learned Nothing that I have studied, you know, no book, no sermon, no retreat, no conference has taught me how amazing God is, how amazing the gospel of Jesus Christ is than trying to be a godly man. When you truly try to do what God calls you to do, you're going to understand how loving and how amazing is God. Let me give you an example of what I mean. See, did it happen to you when your kids went young that, You're trying to love them, teach them, and do the right things for them. But they are warring against you. Like you're trying to do the things that you know are going to be better for them, that are going to make them happy, but they will war against you. Like they think you're an enemy to their happiness. You know, it's like, I want ice cream for dinner. No, you're going to have food for dinner. Why? You know, and, and, and you're like, because this is good for you. And they are going to war against you. Like you're an enemy of their happiness? You know, and, and, and even, you know, as adults, like uh, as I have shared with you in the past, you know, our, our, our two boys lost their sight a, a few years ago. And, uh, and the, the oldest one is in his 30s. And we're trying desperately to help him to become independent, to, to become productive, to be able to get a life. And he's warring against us. He doesn't realize that we're just trying to do things so that he will again be able to live life and, and enjoy it and, and, and just feel free and independent again. And he's worrying like you cannot imagine. And when I go to God and I start praying to him and I start meditating and, and I start complaining to him, why is he warring against me like this? Why can't he see that I want, what I want for him is true joy? And you know what he told me? He says, oh, kind of like the way you war against me when I'm trying to give you true joy? Kind of like when, when I'm giving you these commands and I'm telling you what to do and what you were called to do and to cultivate and to love on the people and the family and your wife and your kids, and you're worrying against me. And then I realized the beauty of the gospel. Even though I war against his will, God's still pursuing me and loving me and extending me his grace. And then I realized why, you know, Paul said, like, God showed his love when he sent Jesus Christ to die while we were still sinners. When we were completely rebellious against him, he came to die for us. See, this is why everything needs to be so hard for us. See, then the words of Paul make sense. See, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, this is what Paul says to them, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I finally recognize my weakness, that I cannot do these things that he's asking me to do, you know, then I run to him. So things are hard because when we face adversity, we learn to depend on God. See, if these things were easy, if everything was easy around us, We would never learn these things. See, we have four kids. The first three were guinea pigs. I'll admit it. You know, we finally got it right with the fourth one. (laughs) You know, the fourth one, there's been a rare day when we went to God and say, why? But with the other three, constantly, we had to go to God and say, Lord, help me, guide me, give me strength, you know. So I learned to depend on God because things were hard. So, you know, the the very fact that things are hard shows the love and grace of God for you. So that's why it's so hard. But then the question still remains, how do we fulfill that role? Because yes, you know, he cursed what we're supposed to cultivate and and things are going to be hard for us to fulfill that calling. But how do we do it? So that's the question. How can we fulfill a role? See, um, Paul wrote uh, the first letter to the church in Corinth, First Corinthians. And at the end of the letter, he gives them final instructions. And it's clear by what we're about to read that he's talking to men, okay? And he's telling them what to do to be able to fulfill their calling. Listen to his words, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Okay, so he's giving us here four things that we need to do. Okay, so let's look at them. First, he said, be watchful. I think what he's saying is, we must keep our eyes open. I think that um, all of us know what our weaknesses are, right? I mean, you may not want to confess them you know, or, or acknowledge them, but you know where your weaknesses are, you know where the attacks are going to come from, okay? You, you may have lust issues or control issues or pride issues or anger issues or fear issues, but you know what the issue is. So if you know where the attack is going to come from, that is going to do something to you that is going to stop you from being able to fulfill your calling, to cultivate, to build, to love, you know, why are you not prepared why are you not building defenses against those things? You know, if, if you're in a war you know, and you know where the attack is going to come from, you would be there ready, right? Waiting for it. You know where the attack is going to come from. You know what limits you from being the man God called you to be. So why are you not preparing yourself? See, maybe, maybe when you wake up tired in the morning, you're irritable and then you have a very short temper and stuff, maybe staying up watching late night tv is not a good idea no maybe moving your bedtime an hour or two earlier so you can rest and wake up rested and loving and i have noticed that when i'm tired it's very hard for me to be a loving person you know very short so what do i have to do be prepared go to sleep a little bit earlier you know if you don't have any energy and you're upset maybe you should eat a vegetable every once in a while you know like Something healthy, because the doctors will tell you, eat correctly, do a little bit of exercise, you'll be a lot, you'll have a lot more energy and you'll be better rested. So be prepared. Maybe, maybe there are things in your life that distract you from having the time to invest in your family, invest in the relationships that are important to you. you know, and if that is the case, you need to have balance in your life. See, it, it, it's very interesting to me that uh, sometimes men, when I tell them these things, they say, it's just that I'm really busy. I don't have time. But they have time to do all kinds of hobbies and, you know, things. But they don't realize that they don't open time for their family. You know, you, you need to. When I used to teach uh, time management, you know, professionally, I used to tell people to do this exercise. Log, you know, in 15-minute intervals every activity that you do for three days. You just write everything that you do and then go rating each activity and ask yourself, was this thing important? Is this, it means, was it getting me closer to a goal that I have in my life? Am I cultivating something? Am I doing what God has called me to do with this activity? Or is it a waste of time? Was this just something that I did because I wanted to? Go through all the activities and you're going to realize that there are hours in your day that you don't do anything important, that you're just wasting time. You need balance in your life. You need to open in your agenda spaces like you do for meetings and business things. You have to have dates with your wife, dates with your kids, you know, time with your family. If if you're not married yet, time with your family, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends. You need to invest in the people around you. You need balance. Maybe maybe there's a negative influence in your life. You know, maybe there's people in your life, that every time that you connect with them, you know that things are going to be put in your brain that are going to stop you from being the loving man that you're supposed to be, the cultivating, the builder that you're supposed to be. You know, and and you don't imagine the, the, the difference in your life when you cut those things off. You know, the Bible says that if you have such an influence, you're supposed to rip it off from your life. You know, the Bible says, if your eye makes you sin, take it off and throw it away. And it's symbolic, okay? So don't blame me later for something. But, but you don't, honestly, you know, I cannot begin to tell you the peace of mind that came to my heart when some time ago, you know, I started realizing that I had these things in my heart and these dreams that I was getting and these temptations that all of a sudden were coming my way. And praying, you know, meditating on the word of God one day, reading Psalm 1, God said to me, You are cultivating the friendship of blasphemous people. And that, I mean, I was like, oh my goodness, that's true. You know, I have this and I cut it off. And the relief that came, the peace in my heart, like, my good, why didn't I do this earlier? You don't need that in your life, so be prepared. Maybe these there are these places where you go that you know you shouldn't go. Why are you going? So be watchful. Open your eyes to these things. Then he says, Stand firm in the faith. See, what I believe that he's saying there is we must walk according to what we believe. We must really walk the walk. In reality, this boils down to um, are you taking this seriously? Are you applying the things that you are learning here? You know, because why do you think we study the Bible? You know, why do you think that is the reason why we say, hey, read your Bible, meditate on your Bible, study it? See, according to Paul, we are conformed to this world. You know, the world has a set of values. You know, the world values money, values power, values pleasure. And the world is going in that direction. There's a very strong current and most of the people just conform to the world. They, they chase those things. We teach our kids those values. You know, oh, you have to have su- success and this, you know. But the values of the Bible are the opposite direction. So, so Paul says, you have to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You have to truly go to the Bible in a way that is going to transform who you are, the way that you see the world, so you can live in a different way and you can become a positive influence in the life of people around you. Do you realize what he's really calling us to? God is calling us to be leaders. He wants you to be a leader in your family, in your work, with your friends, you know, with the people around you. You have to become a leader. And the problem that I find is that oftentimes people, you know, few people understand you know, the importance of leadership. What leadership is and how to become a good leader. See, everything rises or collapses on leadership. Everything. Just read the Bible. Every time the people of Israel were led by a bad king, it collapsed. They were led by a good king, they, they succeeded. You know, so if you are a leader, you know, if you have a good leader in your life, then you're going to do good. And you have to be a good leader of yourself. But you're called for leadership to other people too. But what is Leadership. You know what leadership truly is, what it boils down to? It's to inspire people to want to follow you. If you have to force them, if you have to threaten them, if you have to use leverage, you're not leading. You're the boss, you're the father, you know, you're whatever, but you are not leading. They need to want to follow you. And you know what makes a person to want to follow you, they'll follow you if they trust you. Leadership is influence. That's it. If I can have influence in the way that you perceive the world, in the way that you think, in the way that you act, I'm leading you. If I can't do that, I'm not your leader. So you need to trust me in order for me to be able to lead you. And where does trust come from? You know where it comes from? From your character from the principles that you live your life by. And the principles that you need to live your life by come from the Bible. That's where they're taught. That's where you become honest and responsible and humble and learn to love people the way that you would like to be loved. So if you're not taking this seriously, you're never going to walk the walk. See, if you come here every Sunday and listen to what we say, but then you go and live your life however you want, that's a very strange hobby. You know? If you believe these things, why don't you give them a try? Why don't you start obeying God and, and allow Him to transform your heart and you become the person He made you to be? See, following His calling, as it is, is very hard. But if you try to do it your way, following the world, it, it, it's going straight to failure. You cannot just give lip service to your faith. It backfires. You need to truly allow it to transform you so you can walk that way. And then he says something that I found very interesting. He says, Act like men. But then he explains, Be strong. I'm glad he put that explanation because what do you think first when somebody says, Act like men? Don't cry. Don't show your feelings. Act like men. That's not what Paul is talking about. See, what he's saying here is you need to persevere. Act like a man. Keep going. Don't give up. You know, act like a man. What he's telling you is this is not going to be easy. But it wasn't meant to be easy. You're supposed to keep going. See, I have noticed that people confuse the terms faith and belief. They think it's the same thing. Faith and belief are two different words in Greek, and they are two very different concepts. Belief is how much do you trust and depend on God? Faith, the word is pistos, that should have been translated more like faithfulness. And faithfulness is for how long are you going to continue to trust and depend on God in the face of adversity? And this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, are you going to keep going forward, cultivating, building, investing in the people around you in the face of the war? There is going to be war. We were cursed with it. See, if you're married, just think about it. We we are both fallen people. You put two people that are falling in the same house, what's going to happen? Sparks. There's going to be problems. Same at work, same wherever, but uh, specifically in marriage, the responsibility to cultivate and to build up and to make sure things work out was given to the men. This is why God, when he goes down to the garden of Eden, he goes first to Adam, the one that ate first was Eve, but he goes first to him and says, what happened? You're you're responsible here. See, we need to understand uh, there is no perfect people. You know, if you are married and you're having problems in your marriage, it's not that you picked the wrong person. There was going to be problems, but now your job is to cultivate, to love, to treasure. Even if your wife does not respond the way that you thought she was going to respond, that's our job. We have to persevere. But then, see, he gives the last ingredient, which is the strongest, most important thing that you need to understand, and sometimes the hardest. He says, let all that you do be done in love. And I'll tell you what that means. The motivation behind every action must be love. But I'll tell you what, that's tricky. Because he's talking about you loving the other person, not loving yourself. And most of the things that we do, thinking we're loving the other person, most of the times are to love ourselves. If you're loving on other people so that they would respond in a certain way to you, you're not loving them, you're loving you. Loving the other person is doing the things that you need to do to love on them, regardless of how they respond. Not expecting what they're going to do for you after. Knowing that that's the best for them. That's how, why we discipline our kids, right? Why we try to teach them the right thing. It's not that they would say, oh, thank you, Father, for the punishment. No, it's because we know that they need sometimes to be confronted. But we need to love on them. Listen, when you understand what love is, you start realizing, you know, how heavy the burden is that he's putting on your shoulders. Because he's asking you to put your family, your kids, your coworkers, your boss, your subordinates, your neighbors above yourself and to love on them. And when you hear the words of Paul about love, you know, the weight falls on the shoulders. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You read these words and you realize, that's impossible. How am I going to do that with all the people around me? You know, and I don't know how old you are, you know, because I'm 60. So I think, okay, I have like 20 years that I have to keep doing this. If you're 20, you're thinking, really? The rest of my life I have to keep loving like this? But we don't understand what it means. You know, sometimes... When I'm talking to people in counseling, they tell me the problems they're having with their wife. And they say, I don't know what to do. And I tell them, love on her. Love her. It's like, what do you mean love her? I can't stand her. It's like, you're not understanding. You need to love her. You need to deposit in their account. This is how relationship works. You know, that they have a, an emotional bank account and you need to deposit unconditionally. You need to keep depositing. Do things for her. Do chores for her. Wash the dishes. I have never heard of a man that was murdered by his wife while he was washing the dishes, ever, you know? So, 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 so keep loving her and loving her and loving her. You know, you have to deposit in your wife's tank, in your kids' tank, in your friends' tank. And when I think of the amount of years that I have left, I think, but that's so hard. And this is when the promises of God Become beautiful to us. Listen to these two promises. Isaiah 40, 31. This is Karina, my wife's favorite verse. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So those moments when you're really struggling and you go and hope on the Lord, it says there, he'll renew your strength. He says, be strong, but come to me and I'll give you that strength. Listen to Lamentations 3, 22, 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So when you think this is impossible, you know, you go to God and he says, listen, today you need to cultivate. You need to build. You need to love. You need to invest in the people around you. And I'm going to give you today all the resources, all the strength, all the love that you need to give to them. And tomorrow, I'll give you tomorrows. So stop worrying about the next 40 years. Worry about the next few hours. Cultivate today. See, my hope is that All the men that are here, all of us would truly learn that we need to behave like men according to what the Bible said. Be ready to be humble. Maybe to offer an apology for things that we have done or haven't done, you know, humbly and start depositing. To the women that are here, specifically those of you who are married and are with your husband here. I hope that you're going to become a a praying force in your home, but do not try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. If you walk out of this room and you get into the car and the first thing you say is, did you hear what Marco said? Okay? You're going to destroy all the work that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your man's heart. Okay? And if you're a woman and you're single in this room, my hope is that God is going to put a very strong desire in your heart to find a godly man, not just a male, a man that will pursue your heart and fear the Lord, because then your life is going to be great. It is very sad for me to see young women that feel lonely and marry wrong, and then they feel even more lonely. Marry well. And for us, man, we were called to do great things. So stop dreaming about them and live the adventure. And we would make this a much, much better world. Let's pray. Father, um, Father, I know how hard the job it is that you gave us because I live it. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, through your word, through mentors, to people around me, you have opened my eyes to the incredible beauty that it is to follow you, to believe in your gospel, and to try to live the way that you're calling us to live. And my prayer, Lord, is that you will open all of the men's eyes. I pray for all the people in this room, Father, but I specifically ask you to touch every man's heart. Open our eyes, Lord. Let us see the people around us as the people that you put there for us to cultivate, to build, to love, to invest. And help us, Father, because we are going to need all the help we can get from you in order to fulfill this calling. But we trust you, Lord. And we know that every day your mercies will be renewed and our strength will be renewed. And we thank you for that, Father. We place ourselves in your loving hands, in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you guys very much.